Hello and welcome to Let's Talk SOC, a podcast series brought to you by SecureWorks, a leader in cybersecurity, focused on empowering security and IT teams worldwide to better prevent, detect and respond to cyber threats. I'm Professor Sally Eves, your host. Welcome to today's show, all centred on cyber risk. And I'm delighted to be joined by Florence Levy, Executive Vice President at InsureTrust. Welcome, Florence. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Oh, my absolute pleasure. So perhaps to start us off, perhaps you could give a little bit of an introduction to yourself, but also ensure trust and everything that you're doing. That sounds great. I'm very much looking forward to this discussion today. So a little bit about me. I've been in commercial insurance for the last 23 years, focusing solely on cyber insurance brokerage. And I recently joined the leadership team of InsureTrust, which is a wholesale specialty cyber brokerage firm. Those of you listening might be asking, well, what is a wholesale insurance broker? So really at a high level, an insurance broker is an intermediary between a company that buys insurance, the insured or policyholder, and the insurance carrier. This relationship is much like a real estate agent who puts the deal together between the home buyer and seller. However, not all insurance brokers or agents have cyber insurance expertise, which is where wholesale firms come into play. So really, the easiest way to describe what we do here at InsureTrust is that we are like the MSPs of cyber insurance for those brokers or agents who don't have the desire to hire an in-house team or potentially don't have the budget to hire an in-house team, but they need additional expertise because cyber insurance is very specialized. So many brokers have expertise in multiple lines of insurance, but here at InsureTrust, we focus only on cyber insurance. So if you're working with a broker that doesn't have cyber expertise in-house, you can still use us as your outsourced cyber insurance expert. I really love that. And I also wanted to bring to the fore as well as bringing read about the background of InsureTrust too and kind of a pioneer in this space as well. I think you're the first organization to develop kind of holistic insurance in this space, like when the internet first came to the fore. So again, kind of that trajectory of innovation in this area as well, I thought it was really impressive. And in the market at the moment, I've been at RSA over the last week or so, but just generally as well, you know, Lloyd's London were making announcements over the last few weeks about this too, about the nature of cyber insurance and how it's changing. And I think there could be a little bit of confusion or ambiguity around its role in cybersecurity strategy. Perhaps we can unpack that a little bit for the audience as well. But how would you state the role of cyber insurance in this strategy and the value it brings? That's, that's a great question. At its core, Cyber insurance is really a risk financing tool, but when it comes to your overall cybersecurity posture, I wouldn't recommend that you take an IT budget and spend it all on proactive security measures or alternatively, all towards cyber insurance as your only backstop. They really work to complement each other, and I would certainly argue each are equally important. So I think it might be helpful just to give a high-level summary of what cyber insurance actually covers. And so by doing that, I can explain it in the easiest terms by putting it in two buckets. The first bucket is third-party liability. So damages that a company may owe to a third party for a cyber event that's caused by that organization or potentially even one of your vendor partners. And then there's a bucket of first-party costs, which is when an organization spends your own internal funds to deal with and respond to a cyber event. So cyber liability or that third-party coverage can really manifest itself in a variety of ways. It could be lawsuits or third-party demands, regulatory fines or penalties, or other fines like those coming out of the payment card industry. 
And then first-party coverage has many, many buckets of insurance, which is why cyber insurance can be confusing to explain sometimes because they can be all related or interrelated. One incident can potentially trigger multiple insuring agreements. But in general, those first-party costs may include costs associated with responding to a cyber incident. For example, fees for hiring breach counsel, fees to hire a digital forensics firm to investigate a cyber incident, the potential notification of a breach to affected individuals or regulatory agencies, credit monitoring costs or public relations fees to help manage any potential reputational issue that could follow from a cyber event. That's one bucket. Another bucket in the first-party category can be extortion expenses. So costs to investigate the credibility of a ransomware threat. If you need to negotiate <laughs> with the bad actors, costs to do that also to hire a third-party firm who specializes in doing that. Cryptocurrency payments and compliance checks, that all sort of falls in the bucket of extortion expenses or ransomware type event. There's some coverage available typically for cybercrime-related losses that stem from things like social engineering or invoice manipulation. There's also a bucket for cyber business interruption losses. And that really, you know, those are costs that if your network goes down, it might lead you to lose revenue or have to pay extra expense to get back up and running. And then finally, the cost to restore lost or exfiltrated data is usually contemplated in these policies as well. And I just threw a lot at the audience here. I know it's a lot to take in, but really what I hope that we're conveying today is that cyber insurance brings a lot of value. We're just coming out of a hard market where carriers were really, you know, quote unquote, correcting premium rating models because they paid so many losses in this area. Absolutely. I've been reading a lot about that. And I think you also brought to the fore really nicely just the array of challenges that the organizations are addressing and the need for coverage that goes across all those different elements and the different cost kind of accumulation that can occur to navigate these different challenges. So I think it's really important to set those out and, and avoid some of the confusion around that. Awareness is so, so key. So if you haven't got cyber insurance right now, what are you seeing insurance companies looking for to help organizations maybe reduce those premiums? It's another great question. And I love this question because I have been focused in cyber insurance for my entire career that I've really had an opportunity to see how the product and the solution has developed over the years. I would say in the early years of cyber underwriting, it was really focused overall more on the governance of your security program. But now it's very much based on technical cybersecurity controls. However, there isn't really one silver bullet where an underwriter looks at you and says, oh, you're a great risk because you do this one thing from a security prevention perspective. It's really the sum of all parts. It's not just one specific security control. That being said, I would say that underwriters are focused mostly in three main areas. The first one is prevention and preparation for a cyber event, the detection and response of a cyber incident, and then finally, the recovery and resilience capabilities that you have in place should you be the victim of a cyber event. And within each category, there are really a lot of different subsections of topics and lines of questioning. But I would say in today's cyber market, there are really certain minimum thresholds of insurability. Although your individual industry class and your company size are still important factors. So for example, the smaller you are, the less the underwriting scrutiny you may have around certain controls. However, if you are in a high hazard class, and I would say 
you know, think healthcare, payment processing, gaming, municipalities, higher education. Those are just some examples. You still really need to have strong security controls to be even considered an insurable risk. And then finally, organizations ask this question all the time. And Sally, you asked us as well. Is there a direct correlation between controls and premium? What I would say is premium is made up of a multitude of factors, and that includes your security controls and your overall security posture, the overall market conditions, market conditions specific to cyber, your loss history, proactive planning, organizational structure, your industry and size. So the list sort of goes on and on. And as I said previously, it's really the sum of all parts when it comes to how underwriters view your risk. So I think that personalized, make that really clear, I think is so important, Florence, as well. And particularly with the rate of change we have in this space, taking utilities, you were mentioning different verticals there. Now, how much change we've had in the last few months there with what's happening in the world, but being an increased vector for cybersecurity threats, for example, not just ransomware, even fuelware in that particular sector. So with so much change, things are always going to be evolving. There's always going to be that personalization. Also, things around education in organizations and how much training is being put into cybersecurity teams. There's so many elements coming to play. So, thank you for sharing that. So, again, bring to this a little bit more. I appreciate we can't go too specific, but I know a lot of people ask me for tangibles for people listening here. So, if you already have a cyber insurance policy right now, what would you recommend in ways to kind of improve or say differentiate your position to potentially secure those better renewal terms? And again, appreciate. There's not one size fits all, but just some general advice that people can maybe take away and think about for their organization. Yeah, absolutely. It's really all about demonstrating to the underwriters your cyber incident preparation and your response readiness and evidencing those strong security controls as well. So it's not just about checking the box, but it's about your overall cybersecurity awareness and maturity and associated processes and procedures to support that. And I would say sometimes that can't just be answered in an application form. It may need to be supplemented by a discussion with the underwriter so that you can go into a bit more detail and really demonstrate that. So I would emphasize, you know, the maturity of your controls really above and beyond minimum requirements. I would also recommend, you know, getting out in front of your insurance renewal so you can assess where your controls are at least six months in advance so you have time to try to address any deficiencies and really present your best security posture going forward into that renewal. And this is where your cyber insurance risk advisor should be consulting with you to help you prioritize your IT spend as it specifically relates to insurance. Without getting into too much detail, I know the audience here is probably very familiar with these things. I've mentioned these critical security controls many times, but I haven't actually identified what they are. So I just would love to sort of list out the top few, if you will, that are considered key. So multi-factor authentication for remote access and administrative privilege controls is definitely high on the list. Endpoint detection and response or EDR with so many people accessing net corporate networks, you know, outside of just the office environment, that's really important. Secured, encrypted, and tested backups. This is where the bad guys can, when they're bringing ransomware threats, they always try to attack those backups. So making sure that you have all your house in order there is very important. Privileged access management and kind of limiting the number of these accounts because they are really the keys to the network. So when attackers compromise them, they may have almost unlimited access to your organization. Patch management and vulnerability management focused on the cadence and what those critical patches are. 
And then the last few are really, and, and you mentioned this, Sally, cyber incident response planning and testing, very, very important to be able to demonstrate that. Having certain policies and procedures in place like business continuity, disaster recovery, and of course, incident response planning, and then cybersecurity awareness training and phishing testing. So, you know, just to reiterate, Overall, the recommended solution is not just to invest in controls or purchase cyber insurance. It's both. And I think organizations will see that many companies are actually requiring that you have cyber insurance when you contract with them. So it's also a belt and suspenders approach. The one other thing you know, that I do want to mention as it relates to specifically those organizations that are familiar with the renewal cycle and the renewal process from a cyber insurance perspective is there are many pre and post cyber incident resources available through your insurance carrier that you should ask about if you're not already aware. So my final point on all of this is that cyber insurance isn't just a financial vehicle, but there is also a services element to the offering, which if you don't know about it, it's, it's great to be able to ask and understand what all those offerings are. Those added value services you were talking about, I think you're absolutely key. I love the way that you covered all the holistic elements that come into play with this, including things like identity management, because I see that as absolutely a rising area in this at the moment. And also just going back to the beginning with like 2FA, that you know, can negate up to 98% of some threats for certain types of organizations and certain vehicles. So there's a lot even for smaller organizations that they can do as their foundation. So it's great to look at that entire suite of protection as a balance at the end of the day, isn't it? Maybe just as a final point, I'm just thinking about some of the things we're experiencing in the world at the moment, particularly around economic conditions, the ability to kind of do more with less and kind of tightening of budgets in corporates across the world. Where do you see the role of managed services here? Perhaps a higher role, a heightening of this role, managing cyber risk? Another great question. Hiring trusted and reputable firms in this space from a managed services perspective is certainly the better option than trying to do it yourself if you don't have the expertise. And really, this brings the conversation full circle to what I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast as it relates to insurance brokers. You want to hire the experts, those who do this day in and day out. Those quality managed service partners who can potentially provide both the preactive and the reactive capabilities from a cyber perspective, they really matter. Certain industry classes might be more likely to leverage managed services. And those offerings really can be effective solutions for industries or companies that are either budget restrained or need a more scalable solution or scalable expertise. I think you've really unpacked something that's so useful with so many takeaways for the audience here, which I love because you like to kind of give people things they can apply and think about in their organization. With all the changes, the vectors of change in the world right now, I think that, that power of partnership has probably never mattered more. And insurance is right up there as, as a key concern for many and an opportunity to help protect at the same time. I would love to speak to you for longer. I know we have to keep it tight for our podcast. Thank you, Florence, for joining us today. Thanks, Sally. And thank you, everybody, for watching and listening and joining us on Let's Talk Sock been a great episode and we'll be back very soon with more. Let's Talk Sock is a podcast series brought to you by SecureWorks, a leader in cybersecurity, helping organizations reduce their risk, maximize their existing security investments and fill their talent gaps. With their cloud-native security analytics platform, Tagus, they offer MDR and XDR solutions for better threat prevention, detection and response. To learn more, visit secureworks.com.